0: blog podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the heel tough blog podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta with you guys. As always today, we are here to tell you about tutorials that have entered the transfer portal We also have Michael Coe from WCHL Chapelboro who is stopping by with us. Uh, We've loved, you know, we we love having him on. We had him on uh, the one time and I thought he was fantastic. We've been trying to bring him back on uh, ever since and we have finally found a window to get him back on. So we greatly appreciate him giving us some time. You'll hear that coming up here shortly. Um, And then we will tell you about uh, what you can check out on the website at the end of the podcast, including some news that just dropped this evening on the basketball side of things. So make sure that you are sticking around for that. But two articles that are up on the website that you guys can go and check out are the articles about the two transfers that Carolina has lost in the past two days. And Interestingly enough, remember when the transfer portal opened the first time, the defensive side of the football was the you know part of this team that got raided and it's happening again now not anywhere near the level that it was this seems more about where guys are on the depth chart um you know uh, where they're at also in their careers and i feel like you know both of them are are sustainable losses but one i think more significant than the other we'll start with the one that happened today probably the less significant of the two uh and that is Gabe Stevens who is a guy that you know came into Carolina as an athlete they were really trying to figure out where exactly they were going to play him he played linebacker his senior year in high school and ended up at that jack position now the problem for Dave Davis when he was at Carolina, uh, is he, he was never able to get on the field because of injuries. That was really the biggest issue for him. He missed the entirety of his true freshman season as he was recovering from an injury. And then last year, uh, was not able to even get on the field in a special teams role. Uh, it took him a while to even get back onto the field in the offseason. So uh, I think that that was really the the story when it came to him Uh, also a guy that was undersized when he came in uh, was about 200 to 205 pounds so he had to beef up he got up to 220 Uh, he did play in the spring game he was you know part of spring practice but it seemed like he was buried uh, on the depth chart behind you know two veterans came in rucker and Amari Gainer, who are going to really control the reps there this season at the jack position, and then you had two very talented true freshmen: Tyler Thompson, a guy who was raved about by Mac Brown and the staff here in the spring, uh, looked pretty good the other day in the spring game, and then Jaybron Harvey, who was impressive down the stretch of the spring game. And look, not to say that Gabe Stevens, who you know was playing a little bit earlier than Harvey was that he wouldn't have been a guy that could have been effective at Carolina out of that Jack position. But I also think it was a little bit different. You know, he was a guy that I don't really know, you know, how much of a pass rushing force he was going to be able to be. I mean, he did it at the high school level, but came, you know, that all those, all that production came at the 1A level in the state of North Carolina, which is the lowest level. Um, It's really, you know, uh, tough to judge guys that come out of that level. That's why I think, you know, with him, trying to figure out his position, the injury issues, the learning curve, all that stuff really, I think, uh, just kind of caught up to him a little bit, and it buried him on the depth chart uh, this spring. And so now he is heading out. Uh, Carolina at the position, still in really good shape. I mentioned the four guys that are already there. You've also got Malachi Hamrick, who has been lost for the season, but I believe he will be a big part of the rotation moving forward as long as he doesn't enter his name into the transfer portal, which it doesn't seem like he will at this point. Uh, and then you also have Daniel Anderson, who is committed in the 2024 class that Carolina is bringing in. And there are other guys that Carolina is looking to add in that 2024 recovery. Recruiting cycle at the edge rusher position. So, in the end, this is a move that probably is what's best for Gabe Stevens and for Carolina. Um, you know, it, it allows them to sort of focus on uh, continuing to build that competitive depth uh, down the stretch here over the next, uh, down the stretch in the 2024 class then you move over to the safety position that's where Don Chapman ended up entering the transfer portal last night and you know with Don it's it's an interesting case you know I think he's a guy that probably would have played a similar role to what he did a year ago Um, but at the same time there's there's no guarantee because that safety room as of right now is pretty much a complete crapshoot you've got You know, Will Hardy, Geo Biggers, guys that uh, were starters at the end of last year for Carolina. They were actually the two starters back there for Carolina towards the end of the season. But then, you know, both of those guys, they have to go through spring practice. Limited, you've got Jaquarius Conley, who's trying to return from an injury. And uh, definitely, you know, we, we didn't really hear much about him in the spring. It's definitely taking him a little bit of time to sort of bounce back from that. And you've got, you know, the storyline of DJ Jones trying to convert over from the offensive side of the ball, not to mention Derek Allen comes in as a transfer. Uh, He's a guy that, you know, is really a mystery at this point in his career. You know, he's played in a rotational role the past few years at Georgia tech, but he's a former four-star player. He's a guy that's looking for an opportunity. And now, You know, with as wide open as things are, he could be a guy that could potentially factor in and start for Carolina. And that doesn't even include a guy that uh, was not there in the spring out of the transfer portable, will arrive in the summer in Artavis Lane from Georgia State. So Carolina's got so many different guys in that secondary. Um, It's kind of, you know, at this point, um, you know, just uh, about figuring out where guys are on the depth chart. And that's probably the unit that the tutorials staff had the most difficulty piecing together. Um, I would imagine that, you know, they they came up with a depth chart there. Um, I would think, you know, to me, I, I think it's clear Will Hardy is going to be a starter regardless. I think Geo Biggers is probably the guy that you're questioning out of the two of those. He just struggled with consistency last season. Um, and, and I think, you know, for right now, you know, with Don Chapman heading out, uh, having Derek Allen, and Jaquarius Conley battling for that starting job with Geo Biggers is, is probably, you know, the best case scenario. I think Artavis Lane coming in will probably factor in as well. And maybe that's what Don Chapman saw and said, look, I'm not guaranteed a starting job here. Maybe I can go somewhere where I can play a little bit more. And the other thing to remember with him as well is that look not only is he a, a guy that's been in chapel hill for a while now he's a guy that started uh for you know the, the he started 15 games in his first two seasons in chapel hill started all 11 back in 2020 and it's had his role cut since then to you know where he started just five games in each of the last two years he's also a guy from the west coast he, he comes out of the state of california that's where carolina went and got him So maybe he wants to go a little bit closer to home to finish out his career. The thing is, though, as I mentioned, with no answers here, this is the one that concerns me the most of the two. Um, Don't get me wrong. This is not something where I think now Carolina's defense is in huge trouble because, you know, again, you talk about Don Chapman, very similar to a lot of the other guys at that safety position, incredibly inconsistent Uh, at times. You know, he, he was a guy that would get beat in coverage, um, I thought you know, towards the end of last year, he looked solid. He looked better than some of the guys that Carolina had back there, primarily Cameron Kelly. But I, I still think that he's a guy that has his limitations. Um, he's a guy that at times struggled to tackle. Um, that, that he was, you know, pushed around um by you know offensive linemen that would get downfield and would just be out of position. So I think ultimately, you know, for Carolina, they're they're trying to get some guys on the back end of that defense that can be more consistent, that can limit those big plays. And Don Chapman is part of that group that over the past few years just hasn't been able to do it. So maybe this is part of Gene Chizik and this staff turning the page on that group and trying to find those solutions on the back end and on the defensive front uh, when it comes to this defense. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, it's time for Michael Coe here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. He's been covering this team the entire spring. He was at the spring game. We have to ask him about all of that, what he saw from Drake May, how he's feeling about this offense overall overall, and a really cool event that's coming to Keenan Stadium this July. All that and more with Michael Coe on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast when we return right after this. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcasts, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnotta, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnotta here with you guys. And it is time to bring in Michael Coe, WCHL. Uh he's the you know, writes sports for him, also a reporter for him. So uh we've been trying to get him on here, we've been chasing him down here over these uh last few weeks, and now we are able to get him on here as we are recapping. Spring practice for the Tar Heels, which is now officially in the books. And, Michael, you know, look, the last time we tried to do this, uh, you know, we, we got a little mixed up. Um, and it also, I, I remember the first time that we actually did this, we also had, you know, some news break on that night. We just had a news story break around Tar Heel <laughs> basketball. So it seems like every time that we try to coordinate something here, the, the something just wants to stand in the way of, of, of me having you on.
1: Yeah, Anthony, it keeps us on our toes. There's really no off season anymore with, with the portal. The portal's obviously open in football and basketball right now. So uh, maybe we should schedule another Zoom uh, on the weekend. See if uh, maybe that uh, gives us some Harrison Ingram news. What do you say?
0: Oh, that would be tremendous. Harrison Ingram, maybe a little Matthew Cleveland. I mean, right. like anything. If, we're, we're, we, we, if we can work this magic, let's see if we can't keep it going moving forward. Well, you know, as you mentioned, the transfer portal, it is open uh, full on the football side of things as well. Carolina's lost two guys here in the last two days to it. Don Chapman, the veteran safety, and then Gabe Stevens, a guy at the jack position who, you know, really hasn't been able to play at all throughout his career due to injuries. But, you know, the question for me is, is that, again, you look at those two guys and they're on the defensive side of the football there has been a ton of turnover this offseason on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the question is, you know, what do you think about all of that? Do you ultimately think it's a good thing? Is this part of what it's going to take for this Tar Heel defense to get better? Or is this something that, you know, as some people, you know, have seemed to think this this could be a sign of an issue for Tar Heel football.
1: Well, I, I tell you, the first thing that I think of is Mac Brown in one of the press conferences he gave before the spring game. Someone asked him about how Gene Chiswick was doing uh, because we hadn't talked to Gene in a little bit. And he said that Gene was very upset with how last season uh, worked out and especially how last season ended and that he was you know, working his tail off in so many words to get better. And this may just be a situation of all these transfers being Gene sitting him down and saying, hey if you're not going to perform out there on the field and you're going to make us and me look bad, then maybe let's see if we can make other arrangements. And obviously he would be better at uh, making that sound less harsh than I just did. But I think that may be part of what's going on, uh, especially with some of the guys who maybe haven't played as much.
0: Well, yeah. And you look on the defensive side of the football and, You know, I think some of those areas where you're seeing those guys transfer, I think the main area that you're seeing a lot of the transfers at is in that secondary. And that's the area that I think, I mean, I know, look, the defensive line has to be better. There's no questions about that. I mean, this was one of the worst defensive lines we've probably ever seen at Carolina. Um, But the defensive backfield really had their struggles a year ago. I mean, this was the most Mm -hmm. passing yards that a Tar Heel defense has allowed since 2003, and mm-hmm. you know that's something that they they have to get corrected. You know, when you looked at at that Toriel secondary on Saturday, I, I know it was tough to judge because you had three guys that are probably going to be key contributors that were limited. That's part of the reason why they decided to go with the full uh, thud scrimmage. But you know, when you look at that unit, is is that a unit that you feel like Toriel fans can? can have a little hope at, or is that one that should probably worry fans? Cause that's the one I'm the most concerned about, right? now.
1: Yeah, this may not be an entirely satisfactory answer, but I really think it's just wait and see there. There are so many new bodies in that secondary because with everybody moving out, they're having to bring a lot of guys in both freshmen and transfers. Uh, Will Hardy, who is in position to beat the starting safety week one uh, this coming season against South Carolina, he was in a non-contact jersey, so he couldn't really do much. DJ Jones is moving from running back to safety, and this was his first real game action as a safety, so of course he's going to be raw. Day Day Hollins and Jaquarius Conley are both coming off injuries. They are set to be big contributors in UNC secondary, assuming that they don't hit the portal. Um And then you have guys like Marcus Allen, who is also in line to make his uh, make a week one start against South Carolina. He drew the unenviable task of guarding Tez Walker when Drake Mays throwing the football. So uh, there are a lot of question marks, I think, around the secondary. But I think it is pretty early to hit the panic button. Let's see how they look in uh, the first three or four weeks, because they are going to be tested. Spencer Rattler is uh, he's coming. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing is, is that, look, that room wasn't even complete. They still have two true freshmen that are coming in, and they've also got Artavis Lane, the transfer from Georgia State, uh, that will be coming in in the summer as well. So we'll see then, I think, before we can really judge. I mean, the safety position, the one I'm more concerned about. I mean, I think corner, you know, we've heard Mac sort of rave about the trio that they have there. I was disappointed that we didn't get to see Elijah Huzzy out there yes. the other day, but I still feel kind of confident in those corners. It's that safety position that has me nervous. Well, the position group that has most people nervous though, is that defensive front. I, that's how I'll label it because you've got, you know, the three defensive line positions, uh, power end, including, uh, or being included in that. And then you've got that Jack linebacker position And, you know, I I don't know how much you could really take away from what we saw the other day. I think it's going to remain relatively vanilla for, you know, most of of, of the spring practices and spring camps that you see out there. But what, what did you what did you take away? There were some guys that flashed, but I think that's also one of those units where people aren't really going to get their hopes up until they actually see it on the field.
1: Right. I, I think you had to take some of the defensive line performances with a little bit of salt just because UNC's offensive line wasn't exactly a stalwart last year either. That's not to say they were flat out bad. They were better than they were um, in Sam Howell's final season. But Drake May still took his fair share of hits and Carolina could not run the ball towards the end of the season. Um, and you saw that especially once the reserves, the second team, the third team came in where the second team offensive line. Did not give Connor Harrell any time to throw the football, and Connor did not look great in the spring game. Um, so I think you do, you can be encouraged by things like Cayman Rucker making himself uh, making his presence felt, Jabron Harvey, the true freshman from Durham, having a, a big game against uh, the second and third team offensive linemen. Um, the athletes have always been there. Javari Ritzy, Travis Shaw. These are guys who were highly touted recruits who came in with a lot of fanfare, and Really, they have not produced so far. Uh, Gene Chizik has said publicly that he has been working a lot on the mental side of the game with Travis Shaw because the physicality is all there. He was a five-star recruit, top ten in the country for a reason. So that is really the key position, Anthony, that uh, is going to make or break Carolina season, in my opinion. We've seen it too many times where if the Tar Heels play a ranked team or an elite program, they get bullied on the line on both sides of the on both sides of the ball, particularly the UNC defensive line being bullied by an opposing offensive line. Late in the Notre Dame game, it just felt like every time Notre Dame ran the ball, they gained about seven or eight yards, right? So it, it, that really is the, it it is a put up or shut up year uh, for that defensive line. And I think for Tim Cross in his current position.
0: Yeah. Well, you move over to the other side and the offensive line group you know, as you mentioned, they, they weren't exactly great. I thought, you know, the one of the most noticeable things to me was when they went from that first offensive line group to the second one, there yeah. was a significant drop-off. You could see yeah. why there are six guys um that are in the you know what Mac Brown classifies as the blue team, and that's it right now. You know, hopefully Trevion Green coming back. Maybe that's a guy that can factor in, but it seems like for now they're at six. You know, when you looked at the, the first team unit, I, I mean, I thought they did some good things, but I still have some concerns. I mean, the main one for me is still pass protection with that group because we saw him struggle late last year. It's really the same guys outside of Willie Lampkin. And it's also, you know, a guy in William Barnes who had his ups and downs at right guard in pass protection, now having to move over to left tackle so it seems like it's it's less than ideal in front of drake may
1: yeah the the guy that i'm really looking at on the on the uh the o-line is spencer Rollins, the harvard transfer Mm -hmm. Uh, mac was pretty open in his statements about spencer having a tough time transitioning from the ivy league to acc football uh last season there was some stuff with you know he maybe overcommitted himself in his classwork so he had to miss some time Um, but I think Spencer getting uh, another year in Carolina is going to really help him. I'm excited to see how he looks because he's got that year under his belt now, and maybe that the fact that he's still on the first team is going to give him some confidence to say, hey, I really can block ACC defensive ends. Um, So he's going to be critical. I'm I'm excited to see Willie Lampkin. I really am. He was dealing with a finger injury in the spring game, but the versatility on the line is something that Mac. And Randy Clements have been looking for and he can provide and he played at a very good group of five program in Coastal Carolina. So I do think better days are ahead for the offensive line. I know a lot of fans would love to see Zach Rice, the five star sophomore. But with O-line, these things just take time. Hardly ever are you going to come in as a heralded offensive line recruit and immediately put in the starting lineup on day one or even year two. Sometimes it takes three or four years to to break in there. And that's just the reality of how the position works. You've got to get your weight right. You've got to get your fitness right. You've got to learn how to block dudes that are a lot older and bigger than you. So, yeah, I, I think, as I said before, better days ahead. Better days are ahead for the O-line.
0: Well, the and the thing with him is, is that it was about midway through uh, spring practice Mac Brown was talking about him, revealed that they had moved him to guard basically early last year, which was something I, I don't know how many knew, people knew. Um, and then you know you talk about the three offensive line coaches in under a mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah. So I mean, you're you're having so much change that these guys are having to go through. I mean, you're you're talking about with Zach Rice, he was initially recruited and brought in here by Stacy Searles. So he has mm-hmm. he has been through all three guys. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's where some patience really needs to be employed. You know, when look, we've been talking about some of the negative stuff. Let's go to the positive stuff. And I know you know people are going to say, well, really, it's all about the offense. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where we're at. I think defensively for the Toriels. but offensively, you know, there's a lot of things to be confident in. And the biggest thing that you got to talk about first when you talk about that side of the ball is Drake May and his fit in this new offense. Again, you're going to see a lot of really plain vanilla stuff in the spring game. People are not going to want to give away. These these staffs are not wanting to give away anything um, through that tape. But I thought Drake may looked pretty good. You know, I think there were, you know, some concerns about the way that he finished last year. I don't think anybody was panicking, but I think some people were wondering, you know, is this a guy that, um, you know, saw all this pressure a year ago and got rattled? Will he be able to shake that off? I thought he looked very close to the Drake May that we were used to uh, through the first 10 games of last season.
1: Yeah, the absolute best thing that could happen for Drake May is for Carolina's offense to become two-dimensional again. Uh, they, as I said before, could not run the ball towards the end of last year, and so teams like NC State, Clemson, Oregon were just selling out against the pass and making Drake Drake May's life miserable in the pocket as he was running for his life and sometimes making some poor decisions on the run, as we saw in the Clemson game in particular. Mm-hmm. Um But if you have a retooled running back room with some guys coming back healthy, like British Brooks, Caleb Hood, and other guys like Amarion Hampton and George Petaway, who are talented as all get-out and are going to get some snaps at some point in the season unless they transfer, um, that is a quarterback's best friend, is a solid running game. And then, obviously, the retooled wide receiver room, that is the room that I am actually most excited about. Tez Walker and Nate McCollum, I think, are going to be very, very good. They're stepping in pretty much... Uh, one for one for Antoine Green and Josh Downs. Mm-hmm. Both of both of them were excellent at their former schools, Kent State and Georgia Tech. And then you add in the the guys who were good in their own right for Carolina last year, like guys like Gavin Blackwell, Kobe Pesor, J.J. Jones. It's it's really a lot of weapons for Drake May. Not to mention the tight end room: Kamar Morales, John Copenhaver, Bryson Nesbitt, who didn't even play in the spring game. Uh, so Drake May is not lacking for pass catchers. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm with you. I I said that we did, you know, the things we were confident in and concerned about um, when we were recapping the spring game. uh, And I I thought the wide receivers were, I mean, that's as confident a unit as I've been in, you know, in, in a while. Um, Because I mean, I, I think even, even at times last year, you know, you were still kind of wondering what JJ Jones would be. You were wondering basically who that third receiver would be. And you know now, I feel like you know Mac Brown said we've got four in spring. He, I, you would imagine that JJ Jones, a guy who started all last year, would be a fifth, mm-hmm. and that doesn't even involve Andre Green Jr., right. yeah. <laughs> who really flashed in the bowl game, who has the ability to go up and 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 get the football. We've seen that. We saw that in the bowl game. Um, I I mean, yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited about just the overall state of, of where that unit is. Now with the running back room, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I really like the bodies that are in there, but this is something that we've heard Mac Brown talk about really since even last spring. Uh, and that's the fact that they've got to sort of narrow down this running back rotation. To me, I think Elijah green, is is a no brainer. He's going to be a part of that rotation. I feel mm-hmm. like Amorian Hampton's probably in that same realm as well. And I feel pretty good about British Brooks. Those are three guys that Mac Brown named as being a part of the rotation here in spring. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think even when Caleb Hood returns, you know, to, to being able to practice in full and George Petaway returns from the ankle injury that cost him the end of spring camp, I still I find it hard to believe that if they're going with three guys that it won't be the three guys that Mac Brown mentioned towards the end of the spring am I crazy
1: you, No no you're absolutely not I think Mac was sending a message not just to the three guys he named but to the guys that he didn't name is basically here's the pecking order right now he wants that two plus one system where if one of the two starters quote unquote gets hurt he can pl- he can just plug and play with the third guy Um, I'm concerned that if George Petaway doesn't break into the rotation sooner rather than later, that he will enter the transfer portal because he is talented enough to play anywhere. We saw that in his recruiting cycle. He was a very highly touted recruit out of Virginia. So I'm hoping selfishly that we can get to see him in the future and he gets to play a a little more snaps than he did uh, in his true freshman season. Omarion, he obviously had the problem with the fumbles, but – he must have alleviated that problem if he is basically named as one of the three guys by Mac Brown. So, yeah, you're right. It is a very full room, maybe a little too full for its own good, but still a lot of talent there to be excited about.
0: All right, so, yeah, let's just, you know, some big picture stuff that I wanted to ask you. First, um, you know, sticking with the offense, you know, overall, the offensive scheme, you know, this was really the first time that we got to look at – at Chip Lindsey's offense, I'm not, you know, really basing everything that I have, you know, opinion wise on what we saw the other day, but I got, I, I got to tell you, you know, when that hire was made to me, it felt a little bit disappointing because of the names that you had heard were tied to Carolina and tied to that job. I, you know, I I feel like Drake may, you know, hearing from him and and hearing that he seems to be settling into the offense it certainly you know gives me a little bit of confidence but I I still feel like there are probably some people that are going to walk away still a little bit concerned about the direction of this offense and if they can really be
1: uh, as good of an offense as they were under Phil Longa right um and I What I would say to that is, you know, big names don't become big names until you hire them for big positions, right? Chip Lindsey was kind of flying under the radar. He hadn't uh, been a coordinator at a big school like Carolina before this hire. So maybe after he works with Drake May for a season, he becomes a big name and goes on to do bigger and better things. Who knows? This is all just speculation. But I do think. Carolina fans can take heart from the fact that Drake May was pretty much directly involved in the hiring process for Lindsey. He had meetings with Lindsey, both virtual and in person, uh, which is something that Mac has said that he hasn't always done before, but with a quarterback as talented and as hyped up as Drake is, that he wanted him to have to have input in what is going to be almost certainly his last season in college football. So I would say, you know, just, just give it time with chip if, if they score zero points in the first three games then okay yes we can all hit the freak out button but he's only been on the job for about three months and then you add in new assistants like um Clyde christensen from the bucks who just got here a few weeks ago randy clements the new mm-hmm. offensive line coach there's gonna there's gonna be a break-in period that's what spring practice is for
0: now, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I went through, you know, and listened to every presser this spring, and I don't feel like this question was asked, but maybe it was and I missed it. Do you know how exactly they are going to call plays? Because it's kind of an interesting dynamic that they have. Chip Lindsay is the OC, but you also have the passing game coordinator, Lonnie Galloway, and Freddie Kitchens, who, of course, was an offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator, even a head coach uh, at the NFL level. So have they really laid out how exactly they are going to call places? Is it going to be all Chip, or
1: are those other guys going to be involved? Yeah, you know, it's a good question because Chip uh, – I I don't think there are going to be the wild hand motions of the Phil Longo era with with Sam Howell and Drake (laughs) – uh, but it it is going to be an interesting dynamic because there appeared to be a little bit of disagreement between Longo and Mac towards the end of last season over how that system was going and what plays were being called. So it, it's definitely going to be something to watch. I do not personally know the answer to that question. That's probably something that Chip and Mac are discussing right now as we speak. So yeah, I think that's definitely something to watch.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I've expressed is the only concern that I have is that we saw multiple play callers when Larry Fedora was here. You had guys that, I mean, there was a time towards the end um, where there was a guy that called plays on first down, a guy that called plays on second down, and a guy that (laughs) that called plays on third down. And that's- Fedora's
1: freak show. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's what I'm trying. That's what I think a lot of people are trying to avoid here. Um, I would imagine Mac, it'll it'll be a little bit different with him at the helm. But uh, that is an interesting point that you saw him and Phil start to butt heads a little bit um, towards the end. And I think maybe, you know, Chip Lindsey's a guy that's going to fit a little bit better with Mac Brown. And ultimately, that can make things a little bit easier, especially in that red zone. Uh, The other thing that's interesting, we heard this the other day, Drake May, also somewhat involved in – setting up plays on the field um mm-hmm. and 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 giving out um instructions to uh the players as opposed to really the first uh two years that he was on campus and his first year last year as a starter, um him pretty much just going off of what Phil Longo uh would give him off the sideline. So um the the other thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, this has been sort of a polarizing topic here over the last few days. Um, it, it was, you know, Carolina goes with the 85 play scrimmage after, you know, a little bit of, of the position drills, seven on seven, just like they did last year, mm-hmm. but then it's a full, what they call thud scrimmage. So it's not full contact. It's really utilized so that you can get the players that are limited in there. What did you think about that choice from Carolina to go with the full 85 plays at Thud and not go full contact? Because I've seen a lot of people that are concerned, you know, look, this isn't the greatest tackling team, although I think you could say that about just about any team in football at this point. Um, but I I, I think that there is some legitimacy to that in the fact that we've heard Gene Chizik talk so much about wanting to be more physical.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a good point, um, but I, I would add that the spring game is not the only scrimmage that Carolina plays in the spring. They play multiple mm-hmm. scrimmages behind closed doors, and not I assume not all of those were thought. I assume many of those were full contact. I would and hope that's so, oh, yeah. That's probably how some of the guys got hurt. Um, so I think Mac he said, you know, we want to prevent injuries to guys who maybe aren't 100% in this game, like a Will Hardy, like a British Brooks, mm-hmm. Day Day Hollins. And you certainly uh, want to limit contact on your star quarterback, Drake May. So I, I really think the, the primary concern for me going into the spring game was let's just not have anybody get hurt and get out of here 100%. And it appears they did that. So I, I really had no qualms with going with Thud. It may not have been as good a show for you know people watching on TV or people watching in the stands. But I do think it was a good insurance policy going into the summer break and then going into fall camp in August.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I definitely think, um, you know, heading out. I mean, I, it feels like to me the vibes are, are pretty good around Tar Heel football at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird because I, I don't, I don't feel like Carolina is exactly being hyped up, but I still mm-hmm. feel like a lot of people have them third in that ACC race. So. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I feel like heading out, you know, you, you got to feel pretty good about where this team is offensively, defensively. I think, you know, there are those concerns there, but I, I think at this point, you know, part of it is you, you have to ask yourself, especially with the defensive line, how much worse can it really get? So um, right. last yeah. thing I wanted yeah. to ask you, Michael, this one actually involving the stadium, really cool thing that'll be coming to Keenan stadium uh, this July, Chelsea, and Rexham will meet uh, in Keenan Stadium in a friendly on uh, July 19th. Uh, what did you think about that news today uh, coming down?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's awesome. I think whatever exposure you can get Keenan and the, the wonderful environment there in Chapel Hill to a more national or international audience, I think, is the uh, for UNC's benefit. What I do find interesting is that they are going to have to put in a temporary natural grass field on there because the um, those teams are not are not playing on turf. They don't want to play on turf. So they're going to have to put in temporary grass like they did in Charlotte last summer when Chelsea played Charlotte FC there. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be a lot of logistical stuff going on in Chapel Hill over the next three months or so. But I do think it is an exciting opportunity. Mac Brown, Anson Dorrance, uh, both seemed very excited about it. Of course, Anson Dorrance is a huge Chelsea supporter, so he would be excited. <laughs> And um, yeah, it was just it was just cool to talk to some of those guys earlier today and sort of pick their brains on how this all came to be and how they they may you know swing it as a recruiting tool, saying hey you know we've got these two excellent European clubs coming to play in Chapel Hill, why can't you? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's going to be an exciting summer in Keenan for sure.
0: All right, that is Michael Co. Check him out at Michael Ko, uh K O H. Uh, and uh, his Twitter handle at Michael Koh K O H W C H L. So make sure you go and check that out uh, and chapelboro.com as well. That's right, chapelboro.com as well. Um, and Michael, uh, I were you? I don't. Th- were you ever verified, or have you had that
1: today? <laughs> yes, I am recently unverified. Oh my
0: gosh. I'm not going
1: to give $8 a month to Twitter, though. I'm not that dumb.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, you know what, though? You always have a spot on this show. Uh, You're verified amongst the Toriel community, and we appreciate (laughs) you stopping by with us, man.
1: I appreciate it, Anthony.
0: All right. So we want to thank Michael Cole for stopping by with us. Really do appreciate him taking out the time to hang out with us. Uh one of my favorite guys to have on the podcast. Uh just, you know, a great, you know, reporter of information, but also not afraid to bring those opinions and uh you know, he he's you know talked a little bit there right as we were coming in about the big storyline around Torial basketball and that is that Cormac Ryan the transfer from Notre Dame has committed to Carolina. And we've got an article up on the website. Josh wrote that up. Of course, we did record a podcast earlier today as well where we did talk about Cormac Bryan. He had not committed at that point, but do encourage you to check out both of those things uh, on the Heel Tough Blog website, HeelToughblog.com. Uh, make sure, you know, when, you, when you're there, you're also checking out. Uh, those two articles that I told you about earlier with uh, both Don Chapman and Gabe Stevens entering the transfer portal. We have articles up about them. We also have articles uh, on the basketball side of things up about Harrison Ingram's visit and uh, also about Carolina being interested in another ACC transfer, Florida State forward, Matthew Cleveland. All of that stuff on the website, Heel Tough blog. Dot com. And on the podcast side of things, guys, remember that we have moved off of Megaphone. If you were somebody that listened on Megaphone, we are no longer on that hosting website. We have been moved off. We are now with our station, WFNZ in Charlotte. We are on their podcasting platform, which is Omni. We will tweet out those links. We're, of course, going to attach them to the articles and everything like that. But if that was how you were consuming it was on the host site, make sure that you know we have switched over to Omni. I should keep everything the same in most of the major podcasting platforms. I'm going to make sure and go through and try to check to see if we have been taken off of any of those, If it has stopped updating on any of the other websites. But uh, for now, best place that you can find us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, Omni. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Uh, Make sure you give us a rate and review as well. We would greatly appreciate that. And as I mentioned, check out the Four Corners podcast as well. We are going to be breaking down Cormac Ryan's commitment coming up. Uh, But we also talked about today, in today's edition, Harrison Ingram Matthew Cleveland and find out why I believe that Matthew Cleveland is the guy that Carolina should be going after the hardest not Harrison Ingram so you don't want to miss any of those great editions of the podcast and the best way to do that is to subscribe so once again want to thank Michael Ko for hosting with us want to thank Michael Ko for stopping by with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always Go Tar Heels! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast. Find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings and the subscribing, that is for you so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward and thank you once again for listening to this edition.